You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Freaking first cut. Golly! Welcome to the First Cut Podcast. I'm Rick Gaiman, and this is your DFS preview for this week's Century Tournament of Champions. Joining me to break it all down. As he does every single Monday, Greg Ducharme. Greg, we are back. It's 2021. We're ready to rock and roll. I'm so excited, and I'm feeling uh, a little bit higher, extra high energy today. This is oh, our yeah. first podcast back, not only after the the long off season, yeah. um, but it's our first podcast back after what you can see in the in the lower left hand portion. If you're watching on YouTube, if you're not, I recommend it because the lower left <laughs> portion of my name says trivia champion. Yes, it does. And, uh, you know, when you post these things on social media, hey, check out the trivia episode, you, you can't include the winner in there. So I'm just taking this little moment to just give myself an old pat on the back because I was fired up about that. I don't know how much fun you had, Rick, but I was so nervous. I was I was nearly shaking. My heart rate must have. I mean, I should have had a, a whoop strap on during that thing because my heart rate was through the through the roof. And I, 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 I did it. I, I beat the great Kyle Porter, which was uh, an honorable achievement for me. It, it was a ton of fun. Uh, hopefully something we can make a staple on, on the pod. And yes, uh, congratulations. Still rocking the trivia championship champion crown. Uh, I'm stoked for you. It was, uh, it was a lot of fun and you guys put up a, a, a great effort. It was great to have coach too. I mean, yeah. I am, of course we've heard him, uh, all over the place in the past. Um, but he's got some great energy and I'm, I'm really happy he can be a part of the team too, going forward. The other thing was we are just jiving before we go live here and you, you, you embark on, you start to embark on the fact that you already have the open championship winner. And we started to get into it. And producer Jacob correctly was like, just, just let me press record and we'll talk about this or let's go live. So, so Greg, I don't know who this, who this golfer is, but you seem to have a hunch, uh, for the open championship. So my, I, I got two <clears throat> picks here now it's January. So give me a little bit of uh, leeway here that I'm not committing to one man just yet. But my initial pick is Dustin Johnson. And I have a feeling my, my big banner story for 2021 is that Dustin Johnson beats Phil Mickelson and Jordan Spieth and Rory McIlroy to the punch and completes the career grand slam this wow. year. So basically 2020 to 2021, he goes from one major and a disappointment quote unquote to a career grand slam champion. I think that could happen this year. Cause I like him at Kiowa. I like him at Royal St. George's, but I was in the shower the other day thinking about this year and how a particular player I think will be forgotten by the time we get to the open championship. And he shouldn't be, it, it's, it's Lee Westwood. And he mm. popped into my head and I said, he won the, he won the player of the year on the European tour this year. This guy can still go. And I, I think there are some parallels with St. George's and Lee Westwood and Darren Clark. And I think it'd be a great story. So um, he, if you're into the futures for today and you want to get a crazy whopping ticket, I, I don't know the exact number, but I think uh, Lee Westwood might get you better odds than Dustin Johnson. 
<laughs> Definitely will. He's 66 to one. That's the number on Lee Westwood as we talk right now for Royal St. George's. Pretty so juicy. Do you, think, do you think that ticket gets, do you think he gets longer as the year goes on? Like if, if you, because right now it's still fresh in your mind that he's the player of the year on the European tour. But yeah. I think as time, that might be one you wait on. You just keep yeah. it in your back pocket and it goes from 66 to 75. And all of a sudden you get it the week before and he's, 80 to one or something. Yeah. I think, I think as long as he doesn't win anything between now and Royal St. George, he might, he might open that week a hundred to one. I think, yeah. I think you'll get, I think you'll get some pretty significant drift. I think this is, you're right. The, the recent, uh, event in, in Dubai and then, and then obviously capturing the European tour player of the year. That's, that's fresh. I think a lot of people, or it doesn't take a lot, right? It doesn't take a lot to move the markets in futures in futures right. at this point when you're however many months out. So right. I think if, if they take a couple of, you know, they take a couple of bets on Lee Westwood, it, they, they're, they're not going to, you know, let it sit there at a hundred. So I think it, I, I like it. I think it's definitely one you can wait on and hope he doesn't win anything between now and then. Love it. <clears throat> this week though, Hawaii. Maui Century Tournament of Champions, the plantation course at Kapalua. Uh, they're not all champions, Greg. 42 players in the field uh, with the scheduling that we had in 2020. Uh, the PGA Tour has extended invites to anybody who made the tour championship as well as the champ. So 42 players, Greg, no cut, largest field in event history. Yeah, and I, I think it's a uh, good thing for a year. I don't have any qualm. I'm not looking at Xander Shoffley, who discussed it a little bit today in an interview with yeah, uh, I heard this, Todd yeah. Lewis. I, I don't hold anything against the players that are there that aren't champions. Uh, I'm not going to look at if Xander wins, for instance. I'm not going to look at him and say, oh, well, he shouldn't have been there in the first place. Because, look, these rules were adjusted, and there was a fair, there was a very fair uh, determination on how we were going to create this field. So I have no problem with that, first and foremost. I don't think it should stay this way going forward. Separate issue. But I'm really looking forward to this event. I think there are a lot of names in here that um, we're going to get a chance to see them compete on this golf course. And there are a couple players I think it really fits their game. But we don't always get to see them play here because they don't necessarily win a whole lot. So uh, I'm looking forward to seeing uh, this event this week. I find the plantation course at Capolo to be one of the most unique courses on the PGA tour. I mean, it's a par 73. Let's start there. Uh, it's got, yeah. it's the only par 73 and it's because of, it has an extra par four, right? It's three par threes, three par fives. And what's that leave? 12 par fours. Am I right on that? Uh, four par fives, four par fives, par three. So that's the, the difference is there's only three par threes instead of right. typically you have four, right. um, which is interesting. Cause I, I ran into this last year. I was like, Oh, par 73, five par five. Wait a second. No, right. No, it's three par threes, which is very interesting. And I think it helps scoring. I, I know that par 73 means you're going to have higher total numbers. But in relation to par, I think that helps. If, if you look at averages on the PGA Tour, typically uh, a, a score, a scoring average of three on the par threes for the year is going to put you in pretty good position. I mean, you could be top 20. Uh, yeah. top 30 at, at 3.0 for the year in par three. So I, I do think that helps the scoring a little bit this week. The 7,600 yards on the scorecard, nowhere near what this is going to play. Uh, the, the elevation changes, the fact that if you hit the correct side of the fairway and some of these fairways are like a hundred yards wide, so you're not going to be missing many of them. Um, I mean, you can get like a 60 or a 70 yard roll. So you're going to see 400 yard drives this week and all that good stuff. Yeah. I, I, what is 18, like 600 and 
it's yeah. 650 or 680 or something crazy. And we've seen players hit it on in two. I mean, they yeah. almost all hit it near the green in two because it's so severely downhill. So that brings up a couple of fascinating things to me in a normal year. Last year, it was really soft, if you remember. And the yeah. ball was landing in the fairways and kind of stopping. It wasn't really bounding down these fairways. And part of the reason they're so wide is you you really need a lot of width in the fairways because there's so much pitch, not just up and down, but uh, left and right and right to left. So you'll see a lot of uneven lies, um, some some severe lies from the middle of the fairway, which adds an intriguing element that it adds a degree of difficulty that I don't think TV necessarily captures. I got to chuckle because we're, we're live right now on, on YouTube and Dave asks, are you two in the same room? Which I think is kind of funny because like, I guess it kind of looks like we are in the same yeah. room. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I guess we, are, so. we are thousands of miles apart. We are uh, doing yeah. this to the magic of technology. Uh, our, our watches don't <laughs> say the same time. They, they do not. Um, okay. Uh, I'm trying to think what else with capital. You know, it is interesting. You've got uh, some of the larger greens on the PGA tour. I think I don't have it in front of me, but I looked this up a couple of days ago. Uh, when you get larger greens, you usually get more three putts. So some of these guys that can, uh, I mean, we saw what Xander th uh, took a three putt on the 72nd hole last year to kind of, I don't want to say force a playoff when you drop into it, but that's essentially what happened. He could have wrapped that thing up in regulation. It, and it would have changed his story. Uh, and I don't think he would have even gotten interviewed today, right? Yeah. <laughs> he, his story would be completely different. He, I'm sure he feels this way. He gave that tournament away. Yeah. Now, granted, it's a long putt. These are not three, these guys aren't three putting from 30 feet all the time. They're, I mean, you're talking about some of the longest putts you may see. Putts so long, it's difficult to find an area to practice them which is where I think that that difficulty can really come into play. And to that end, they're, they're, they're not flat. These are not flat. I mean, there's some severe pitch, so they're not only long putts on occasion, but they're quite complicated as well. I always love it when, uh, you know, you know, the old say everything breaks to the ocean, right? Yeah. Everything breaks. Yeah. Well, you're, it's an Island. Like it's there's water, water all around you. <laughs> a little, little difficult. Out. Let's jump into the player pool. 10K range on DraftKings consists of Dustin Johnson, Justin Thomas, John Rahm, Bryson DeChambeau, and Xander Shoffley. And Greg, let's let's address Xander right out of the gate here because uh, in that interview uh, this morning with Todd Lewis, we got we got kind of the news that Xander had COVID, uh, I guess, a couple of weeks ago and just started practicing again, I think he said, within the last couple of days. Yeah, it, it, which is a really interesting um, little turn of events. Yeah. Now, we all remember, there's another player that comes to my mind, happens to be in this group, who had COVID, had to miss a few events, and the next time he came back, it worked out pretty well. Um, but look, it, that'd be Dustin Johnson, and yes. that was the Masters. So we don't know, it, it, this is not a, a death sentence by any means for Xander Shoffley. Yep. This, this doesn't mean that he's out of form, but... It's unknown. And we've been talking about this for we're coming up on a year now of this conversation where we just don't know the effects of this virus. And it's pretty clear in all the conversations I've had, people have different experiences with it. So you don't know necessarily how bad it is or what the lingering effect is or anything like that. So we'll see. But I'm sure Xander will be fine. Yeah, we're certainly not in the business of like, oh, how is this going to affect Xander Shoffley? But I, I the only takeaway that I have from this is that from his own words, he did not practice as much as he would have liked. And, yeah, and, and he's so good and it's a place he's comfortable with. Maybe it doesn't matter, but that's that's my only tiny takeaway from this. You know, the offseason is a very interesting concept 
Because you think, okay, it's off season. We're going to get to work. We're going to practice all these things. But in golf, the off season's so short. Yeah. It, it doesn't necessarily give you time to go overhaul your your game. I don't think these players are, except for a, a handful, and some do. But I don't think every player, every off season, is going out and overhauling their game and completely, you know, put, um, going in full grind mode. I think an, a really important part of improvement is recovery. That's what all the studies are showing. So I, I look at a player who's not necessarily practicing a ton. It, it's not a bad thing. It's not a lazy thing. Sometimes it's a really important piece and, and that's recovery. So uh, he also mentioned Rick that he was not, he, he feels like he's sick every off season. Yeah. I heard him say that, right? Which is a, it's a, I guess a good time to get sick if you're a PGA tour player, but it leads me to believe that maybe he still has a, a pretty good chance at it this week. Of these $10,000 guys, uh, we, we would be, uh, I, I guess we are now nitpicking because that's what you have to do between some of these top tier players. I mean, Dustin Johnson, who is just cementing himself atop the, the world golf rankings. Justin Thomas is here. John Rahm, new equipment. We can talk about that. And then Bryson. I mean, I didn't know where I was going to expect Bryson's price to be. I guess I was a little surprised that he's the fourth highest priced golfer on this slate. I don't know where I expected him. I mean, he's behind the, the one, two and three ranked players in the world, but like, I don't know. Br Bryson's interesting. He's the, the guy that really jumps off the page to me, right? Dustin Johnson is coming off probably, um, the highest moment at, I, I'm just not sure what the, what the rust factor is. I, look, it, it's not a knock on DJ at all, but for the, for the highest priced player in the field, I have a hard time in the first event jumping all over that guy. Um, mm -hmm. even though it's Dustin Johnson. And if you're going to take a, a, a highest price player, he's probably the guy to take, uh, especially because he has such a great history here. But I just, I have some question marks about where he is right now. I, I don't know what this break was like. It's not a, not a statement on what he's going to do the remainder of the year. I think he'll have a great year, um, but I'm not all over DJ. Um, and then John Rahm with an equipment change, yeah, uh, he allegedly just shot 59, but I have some concerns about going out there with, um, with brand new equipment. I, you don't know what that's going to, what's the trust factor going to be like, what one bad shot can really, um, have you puzzled at times. We saw that happen with Justin Rose. Uh, we saw it happen with Francesco Molinari. Mm -hmm. Um, so I, I have questions about him. Um, Bryson's the guy to me in this range. He's my number one choice. Not only is he the second least expensive player, I think it's an extremely fair price, but, um, he has a, his best finish in 2019 was seventh, but it, it's such a wide golf course and distance is going to be a, a really big advantage. And I think it, I think it sets up really well for him. I think he may be the value play, uh, of this group. I certainly don't disagree with you. Um, I, I've narrowed it down to, I think my two favorites are Bryson and JT. And I, and I think they're different, right? And, and when you start running the numbers, uh, Justin Thomas is so consistent, so consistently good. I mean, it's, he's got six straight events where he's finished inside the top 12. Uh, he's won this event twice, including last year. He has an, I think he has another runner-up finish in the last four years. I mean, it's just all over the top of the leaderboard. Uh, Bryson, I like, but I think he's a bit more volatile, right? I think you've seen some of his results are just a, a hair less consistent than JT. So those are the two that I have it narrowed down to. I have concerns you mentioned about John Rahm and Xander, and then DJ's DJ, right? I think he's fair. I think he's fairly priced. If you can get him in your lineups, you should probably try. Like, it's just, it's just fine. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, with JT, Rick, I'm really curious to see what happens with the putter. I know yeah. he he and his coach, John Graham, have been working together for uh, a short period of time now, but 
post masters, I know their plans were to kind of really turn things up a little bit and really put some work in. So I'm looking forward to seeing how JT puts. I, I bring that up for a, a reason. And I look at these guys at the top. This doesn't happen every week, but these guys are all really good putters. Mm -hmm. Dustin Johnson is such an underrated. He is such a good putter. It's, it's fun to watch. Um, and Justin Thomas has the biggest question mark in the putting stroke in this group yet. I know that he's been putting in some work with a great new coach. So I'm looking forward to seeing how that works out. Um, and Bryson, part of the reason why I like him so much, aside from his distance, is his ability with the putt. He's a great putter as well. He was 10th last year on, on the PGA Tour um, for the last full season in 2020, nearly full season. So I, I'm looking at Bryson in those two advantages, driver and putter. I think it's going to be crucial on this golf course. Um, but these guys really, it, Xander has a great putting stroke too. They're, they're all great putters. The $9,000 range, led off by Patrick Cantlay, 9,800. Patrick Reed, 96. Webb Simpson, 94. Victor Hovland, our most recent champion on the PGA Tour, 9,200. And Hideki Matsuyama at a flat 9,000. I love this range, Greg. Um, I could live here, I think. Uh, I think so, too. Um, I really, I'm a big fan of this range. Now, Patrick Reed doesn't necessarily fit the mold of guys you would expect to have all the success around here. He, but yet, but he, he does. He, he does, <laughs> right? He always does. He knows how to play the golf course. So you got to like him. But Matsuyama, to me, is the guy, Rick. I mean, yeah. Is he your favorite in this range? What's he? Is there anything that Hideki's missing here? Because his results at this golf course are phenomenal. So, so Reed and Reed and Hideki are the two. Um, you mentioned it. I mean, the Reed, the, it, a lot of it goes down to history. I think this is a unique course. Um, Hideki's situation. Well, let's just, you know, let's, let's look at his results. He's played here three times. He has no worse than a, than a T four. It's the best average finish of anybody in this field. And, you know, Greg, I like the data, but I'm going to give you a little narrative here for, for a second. I think 2021 is a big year for Hideki. Um, okay. it's, it's an Olympic year in his home of Japan. And you know he's going to want to get there and he's going to want to play well and he's going to want to represent. And we saw at times last year, I mean, he led the Players' Championship after the first round. And he probably yeah. feels like, not that he was robbed. Obviously, anything can happen in 54 rounds. But like, what a big, what a big moment that could have been for him. And he didn't play poorly down the stretch. He kind of, you know, racked up a bunch of top 25s or whatever. I, I just think that he's going to a happy hunting ground, a place he's had a ton of success at the turn of a calendar in a year that he's going to just be absolutely laser focused. I, I, I really like flat nine thousand dollar Hideki Matsuyama. That's a big part of it too. He's the he's the cheapest player it's the in this cheapest range. One, yeah. And so you you look at all the buckets that we're looking to kind of uh, check off here. And and the winners of this tournament, the past winners, Justin Thomas, Xander Shoffley, Dustin Johnson, Justin Thomas, and 2016 Jordan Spieth. These guys are great ball strikers. All of them. Jordan Spieth in 16 was one of the better iron players. Uh well, in 15 anyway, probably closer to the Anyway, he's a great iron player at this time. So all of these players are great ball strikers. I think Hideki really meets that mold. So one that that uh, he he has a course fit. He has course history, as you mentioned. No finish worse than T four. And then the recent form. I know it's uh, it's there's a holiday season in between, but it's there's nothing alarming about it. It's in, in fact quite good. In in six events, he's got uh, four top twenty fives. He only missed one cut. 
Um, he has a second at the, at the Houston open tied 13th at the masters. These are really good performances. And I, I think he's going to come out this year ready to go. I certainly agree with you. Um, who else in this range? So I'll, I'll circle back on Reed in a second. I want to, I want to pull something up here, but I mean, you've got Cantlay who's played well here. I mean, Webb Simpson is someone that I love. I'm not sure this is a, a perfect fit for him. Hovland's coming off of a win. Is there anybody else moving the needle in this nine K range? Yeah. Um, Cantlay is kind of can't miss. I feel like <laughs> you don't know where he's going to be, but I really like him. He has some really nice finishes here at the venue. So I, I like Patrick Cantlay a lot in this range. Um, I, I just, I, I feel like as this entire board plays out, I do feel like Hideki's the guy because it's just such a great value play at nine flat, checking all the boxes that he checks. I have questions about Webb Simpson. Patrick Reed, he's you're going on course history there. That doesn't always, it doesn't always stick. You know, I feel like I need a little bit more than that. Let let me jump in on Reed and producer Jacob. Let's see if we can share my screen here. We're going to work on this and I'm going to show you uh, from my database here. Okay. So this is from the rickrungood.com database. And what I've been doing, Greg, is I've been compiling all of this fantasy data and I'm showing you Patrick Reed's results right now. And for the calendar year of 2020, of all the golfers who averaged salary was over 9,000. So we're talking about the big boys, right, Greg? We're talking about the best players, the guys who average over $9,000. Patrick Reed averaged the most DraftKings points. I mean, he is just such a... You know what he does is he's very streaky. And those streaks where he where he rattles off three in a row, where he contends a lot, even if he doesn't win, it translates to a lot of fantasy points. And it's just so hard to overlook a season like that, a year like that at a place that he's going that he's had such good success at. So I, I'm... I'm kind of sold on him. And maybe, I, I don't know, maybe it's just these, he always has a price in the nines and, and finds a way, but man, I just, I just can't get past it. Yeah. I look, I understand. I, and um, it, it's hard to Patrick Reed's one of those guys. who's rare. It's very hard for me to say no to, because he has proven that he can win on big ball strikers, golf courses, a la Augusta national. Um, and so I, I don't look at him and say, well, there's, there's a, there's a style of course that he can't compete on. He can compete with the big boys. Last year, mm-hmm. he had a chance to win here last year on a wet golf course that's 7,600 yards. You would think that's not a Patrick Reed style of golf, yet here he is nearly winning. So he defies the odds in a lot of ways, but though that data that you just showed is so interesting to me. It just proves that he is a big game hunter. Yeah, that, he is. It, it's like, I, I don't know. He's, he's very low key. So it, it's a a sneaky pick. It probably won't be too popular either, right? He's never popular. Alex yeah. Hahn in the chat says, uh, you know, he's not here for a vacation. He's coming to win. I actually agree with that. That guy is yeah. trying to win every single time he teases up. So look, I, I like it. I want to jump into the 8K range, Greg. There's a guy in the 8K range who I think is maybe like $2,000 mispriced. We're going to jump into that and the value plays right after this break. But first, we're going to hear a word from our partners. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. 
Visit roberthalf.com today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. And we're back. $8,000 range on DraftKings. Starts with Tony Finau. You know him. Goes all the way down to Abraham Answer. And Greg, the guy that I teased before the break. Yeah, tell me more. Colin Morikawa. He's he's, he's $8,000 off. Let me let me describe this to you. Maybe not two thousand. I was a little aggressive. Maybe fifteen hundred. Well, uh, professional tees. Let me let me thank you. Let me describe this scenario to you. And I think we were we were kind of getting into it a little bit earlier. Where this is the off season. It's three and a half weeks. These guys have all done whatever. Some of them haven't touched their clubs. Some have been grinding. Some took a week or two off, and now they're getting back into it. Um, I think that when you have no recent tournaments, no recent form, you have to start looking at long-term form and you have to start looking at guys that now have an opportunity to try to get right. I mean, Colin Morikawa would tell you himself, the the last couple of events of 2020 weren't great for him and that's why he's 8,800. But if you're looking at it from a long-term perspective, you now have a three-time major winner. I'm sorry excuse me, three-time PGA Tour winner, a major champion at $8,800, the guy who's one of the best ball strikers on the planet. I'm just like looking at this thinking, if we're saying long-term form is the key, he's $1,500 mispriced. So what do you think when when you look at your your history here at Kapalua, what do you think is the most important element or, or a couple of the top elements? I think that the... The greens, I think. So I think the putting surfaces are um, with with how big they are and kind of some of the the undulation you can get. I think experience helps a little bit, but I also think it's the elevation, right? I think it's I think it's doing the math right. Quite frankly, mm-hmm. is a lot of it. So you're saying, in a way, distance control is really really important. So are yeah. you looking at are you looking at like iron players? Are you looking at great drivers? Where where does your focus go? So it's weird. Like I, I want bombers, but it, you're not dead if you don't hit it far because you you can you can get a lot of roll if you hit it in the correct side you you, you get a lot of that stuff but um yeah I'm looking at I'm, I'm always looking at iron players right guys who are always able yeah. to hit their approaches you know uh, you if you throw out the course and just look at all courses on the PGA tour like strokes gained approach is like the most important stat and it just it just is and or it's the one that correlates most to to success and few guys hit their irons hit their wedges like Colin Morikawa does. Yeah, last year, I mean, he was top th- a top three iron player, um, top three wedge player. So that's going to go a long way. I-, I like it. You know, he didn't jump off the page to me because he's not a bomber, right? And I, I when I'm scripting my team, I like guys here who can kind of air it out. Now, weather seems to be a factor from time to time around here. So I, mm-hmm. I, um, I do think that gives him a little bit of an advantage. The role gives him an advantage and he's an elite player. So maybe underpriced, I do like the value, but I got a I got a guy here. Yeah. Again, I mean, who I love this week. Um, and he's a little bit cheaper than Morikawa. You may be able to get both of these guys in your lineup. Um, Joaquin Neiman. Okay. I'm I, I know we've talked about his volatility a lot, but if you look at what he did to end 
in the in the 2020 season, right? The the tail end of that from the US Open on. He had no finish worse than T44 at the RSM. I know that doesn't sound crazy, but five of the five of the six events were top 25s. Tied 23rd at the US Open, tied 13th at the Shriner, sixth at the CJ Cup at Shadow Creek. Mm-hmm. Um, tied 23rd at Mayakoba. So there was a 17th at the Zozo, some really high quality finishes. And then he had an opportunity to play last year in this event and he came and tied fifth. And I'm looking at Joaquin as another one of those players, maybe Patrick Reed type who can get a little bit streaky. I don't know what the fantasy data that you have says, but he strikes me as a guy who gets really hot for for periods of time and on this kind of golf course that goes a long way there are opportunities to really get it going um but there's also some tough stretches so those streaks go a long way uh, i will tell you there are a couple of ways to be streaky on the pga tour you can do it week by week and you can rattle off you know two we've seen some guys do this right back to back top tens and then we don't see them do anything for the rest of the year uh joaquin neiman's are a bit more micro than that uh, he does them kind of like right. six whole stretches at a time, right? Almost, exactly, right? which is really good for DraftKings scoring. So I will tell you, in his last five starts, he has scored between eighty-five and ninety-nine DraftKings points in each one of them. First of all, that's a lot, and it's a lot more consistent than I would have thought it would be. Because even in the weeks that he that his finishing position isn't great, it's those six hole stretches. You know, he makes three birdies in a row, and then he does it again on Friday, and he does it again on Saturday. Right? It's just he he is a really good fantasy scorer whether or not he contends yeah so i i think um and again nice history here I, i'm i'm a fan of joaquin this week and i i think he may be the play in the 8k range but i love morikawa too but rick i i gotta know there's this group of players that get <laughs> missed and they can be I, i'm calling them the president's cup crew yeah right? they these are the internationals who we saw at the Masters uh, contend, yeah. uh, obviously at the, um, the early portion of last year after the President's Cup. I mean, these were the the guys with Abraham Answer, Sung J.M., and Cam Smith. Any of these guys ring a bell to you? Are you jumping all over any of them? So, uh, yeah, I, I love that they're all kind of like just priced in the same spot. They're just all thrown together. Yeah, here. yeah. Um, like, yeah well, I, they're all the same player. It's almost, <laughs> it's almost like that. I generally am not a big fan of Cam Smith. However, I think I might be wrong about that. I mean, he's $8,400. I don't like that he's so reliant on his short game, but we're seeing we're seeing potentially the next step for him. We're seeing potentially a, a maturity in his game where he goes 24th at Shriners, 11th at the CJ Cup, and 4th to Zozo. Uh, those last two are stacked fields. And then, oh, by the way, runner up at the masters and, and, and 2020 was a really good year for Cam Smith, both at the beginning when he won in Sony and at the end with the flurry of finishes. And I'm just wondering if he's about to take that next step. So I, I do like Cam Smith a lot. Um, answer is interesting. I like answer a lot of weeks. I'm not sure this is one of them. I think, I think I'll, for a, until he kind of proves us different, you know, maybe it's the RBC Heritages of the world. Maybe it's the TPC River Highlands. Maybe it's like those types Sony of Open. Sony Open. Yeah. It's good. How about next week? How about next yeah. week? Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm looking at him next week, uh, circling him twice, that's a, right? That's now. a great call, actually. Yeah. Like next week would be like perfect spot for him. We just have to um, remember this come next Thursday to like. Yeah. Well, a week from now, we'll discuss. We'll discuss yeah. Abraham answer. He'll be a headliner for us. Um, But 
if anybody hears this from DraftKings, his price may go up. So we'll have to keep that on the down low. But um, I, the Cam Smith thing is interesting. You mentioned the maturity. Yeah. And I, you got to give these guys a little bit of space because of the shutdown. That affects people in different ways. What you do with your time, what you're able to do, who you're able to see, what your social life is like. All these things affect your, they can all affect your performance. So with Cam Smith and Sung J M. They both had great starts to the year pre-shutdown and really strong finishes, at least with, um, at the very least, with the Masters. I mean, it, incredible record-setting performances. And and the middle wasn't great. So I give him a little bit of leeway with that. And I think the President's Cup, um, getting on that team, performing the way that they did, getting put into the big moments and the big matches, it proves something to themselves, each individually. Hey, I belong. And I'm expecting... From all three of these players, I, I think you're going to see a great year out of them um, because that maturity is going to have a chance to be – they get a full year now. They get a mm. real year. Uh, I mean, we all certainly hope. Can't take it for granted, but, but that's what we expect. That's what we hope. So I, I think all three of those guys are going to have really good years. The biggest question mark, and I want to get your thoughts on this, is for me is Adam Scott. Um, he's $8,100 on DraftKings. He only played. So what a weird, I mean, everything was weird, but Adam Scott's 2020 when the, when the Genesis stacked field, difficult course in, I guess it was like mid February. Um, he only played six times after the tour came back, did not have a single top 20. I don't know. Like, like what it's, it's just so little to go on with Adam Scott in the last seven ish months that I have literally no idea what to do with him. I mean, he would have been with that win at the Genesis. He, I mean, he proved so much to me. I think about that tournament from time to time because he got in, he is the reason why the strokes gain putting stats in this debate. We get in on this podcast all the time. He's the reason why the strokes gain putting statistic is not a representation of how great you are as a putter, if that makes sense. Because when he got into the moment on, I want to say it was 17, it may have been, I mean, he won the tournament with uh, this putt. This was the, this putt, he was on the rooftop and he could go left or he could go right. Yeah. And you don't know which, if, if he misses it, he probably doesn't win. And if he makes it, he wins and he, and he makes it. And that's like the moment of putting that's so important where this is where Mark and Kyle are both right. Because you have to make that putt to win, but you don't have to make it every time um, throughout the course of a year to be a high-ranked strokes gain putting stat guy. So he's very interesting to me, but it it completely derailed his season. This was he was on pace to have a great year, um, probably one of the close to favorites, maybe a, a tier B Masters player. Um, so I think it was a little disappointing for him. So I, I'm with you, Rick. I'm scratching my head with Adam Scott, and I think I'm going to be late to the party before I'm early, mm. uh, at least for at least for this week. Yeah, I think that's probably where I'm at too. Seven thousand doll hairs. Cameron Champ leads us off at seventy nine hundred. Goes down to Ryan Palmer at seven thousand. I got some things to say about Ryan Palmer, um, but now we're starting to get Greg. The, the rest of this field is like a mix of guys who quote unquote earned it with victories, right? You got Mark yep. Leishman, you got Jason Kokrak, uh, and then guys, uh, Carlos Ortiz is in there as well. And then you have the guys that got the invite from making it to the tour championship. And one's not better than the other, because I'll tell you what, after Mark Leishman's victory, he was 
hot garbage uh, the rest of the year. Uh, a lot of the guys who made it to the tour championship uh, had better years than he did. So we're, we're just kind of like not fighting that battle, but something to be aware of here. Yeah. Uh, look, I, I think at this point, now that we're in it, I, I'm not really looking at how they got in um, as much as you are. What? Because look, you, you can win um, the Sony Open or win. Yeah. Let, let's say you win the Sony Open. You're, you're nearly a full year removed. Yeah. And you could you could miss every single cut. You, you're coming back here, but you could miss every cut. Have one win, and you're playing in this event. <laughs> Leishman won at the end of January and try, oh, tried to miss every single cut the rest of the way. <laughs> right. It was now. See, he Rick. He's the biggest question mark to me because I don't look at Mark Leishman as that. Play, that that's not him. So I wonder, is this a was this a shutdown kind of a situation where it was really difficult for him? It's funny. I wonder if there was maybe a um, a thing with the Australians where you have Adam Scott, who didn't really want to play. He kind of stayed home. Cam Smith kind of got off of his hot streak for a while in the middle. You wonder if he was uncomfortable and Mark Leishman, we know what happened there. So are they a little uncomfortable with the travel guidelines? Where, where are, it's just a, an interesting um, thought that popped into my head, but you look at course history, tournament history here. And Mark Leishman has gr great history. Yeah. His last two starts, a tied seventh and a tied fourth. So I wonder, are we going to get the real Mark Leishman back? And I'll tell you, Rick, I may be willing to go early on Mark. I may be early on Mark Leishman on this one. I may take a chance and he may be my my risky pick uh, in this lineup with Mark Leishman. Wow. Okay. So I'm going to share my screen here again with producer Jacob's help. And what I have up right now is a, a trends tool, Greg. And what I did is I punched in uh, strokes gained since or for the entire 2020 calendar year. It's the middle column right here. Mark yeah. Leishman, the only guy in this field who actually lost strokes to the field in 2020. Isn't that amazing? Yeah, it is. It is. <laughs> and look, I'm not saying that this is why it's such a risky pick for me. Right. Because yeah. there's nothing there's nothing you can see other than his course history that says, hey, uh, Mark Leishman is a guy to watch out for um, because it's been bad. And I mean, that tells you, does that tell you that his play this past year was worse than anybody else in the field? Right. I mean, that, is that right. what you make? Well, of it? Uh, that's what the numbers would like to tell you. Yeah. Right. But a right. win, a win. I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of guys on the PGA Tour who'd say, uh, no, I'll take the win and, and the rest of that stuff. Yeah. But, but then we get to what he did in uh, the tail end of, of 2020, and you have a tied 13th at the Masters. Yeah. It was a nice performance. Yeah. But then he shoots 74-77 at Mayakoba. So I don't really know what to do with him, but I, I just I, I can't think that this is the kind of player Mark Leishman is. And my hope is he took this time off to get his game right. Um, and however he felt and he and his coach felt they had to, that that had to be done. My hope is that he, they did that. Cause I don't, I, I don't think this guy's career matches that performance and you may get a great value out of it. Cause he's got the course history. He's got the winning, what f five wins on the PGA tour through his career. He's made over $30 million in, in his career yeah. on tour. He's a great player. And I'm, I'm hoping I'm kind of rolling the dice with him and hoping for, for a nice week. I'm investing at the bottom of the 7K range. Three guys, Jason Kokrak, Brendan Todd, Ryan Palmer. 
I can yeah. be quick on I can be quick on all these guys. Coke Rack rattled off six top twenties in his last nine starts of 2020. And they were they were big events. They were like the two playoff events, CJ Cup, Shadow, uh, uh, Zozo Championship. Excuse me. Uh, there was a, a major in there, and it, and he won and he won the CJ Cup. Right. I mean, like that's that's what got him here. He his his victory at at the CJ Cup. Brandon Todd um played well at Mayakoba, had a top 10 there. We know he dealt with the toe, all that good stuff. Slow greens that are large usually benefit better putters. Brandon Todd's certainly one of those. And then Ryan Palmer. Here's the guy, Greg. Here is one of the fantasy MVPs for 2020. So what yep. I did was I went by median instead of average results. And the reason I did that is because uh, with golf, if you miss the cut, I'll give you the perfect example. Like if you look at just average, Martin Laird is one of like the best average like value plays of the year because he scored like 140 points at Shriners and missed a bunch of cuts everywhere else. But that one week raised his average so much. So when you look at median, uh, Ryan Palmer was the 13th best fantasy score on the PGA tour in 2020 because he wow. was just living at about 75 DraftKings points almost every single week. He was like $7,000 every week. It was just an unbelievably consistently good season. And that's the kind of, um, those are the kind of performances it kind of reminds me of a Lancho Griffin kind mm -hmm. of a player where the, the finishes are solid uh, and they give you hope that there could be a win around the corner, but they don't quite, uh, they're, they're not so good where the price skyrockets. And now right. you feel like, uh, well, I mean, I, I love Ryan Palmer this week. He's been playing great, but the price reflects it. And now that becomes a really risky pick. So he was always a great safe pick and I utilized him a lot last year and he was very effective. And uh, I'm not afraid of going back this week. I, I'm a huge fan of that. And I love the Kokrak pick too. Uh, it's a really good point because Ryan Palmer's average salary in 2020, $7,162. You can fit that into any lineup. Any any lineup. And it, there's not a bad venue for like you. Yeah, you can play him there every single week. So I uh, love that. It's great analysis. All right. Do we jump down to the six or anybody else in the sevens we need to chat? Let's on? go six. $6,000 range led off by Lonto Griffin mentioned him. Mackenzie Hughes, the top Ke Kevin Na, and then the bottom uh, min priced golfers in this field, Richie Warinsky, which you like called a Richie Warinsky win at some point last season or something. Right? <laughs> yeah. Right. No, Richie Warinsky was, uh, I'll tell the story uh, instead okay, of, you. you know, refresh our memory here. K guys, I'll tell the story. <laughs> it was the three M open. Uh, not the 3M championship. Okay. It was the 3M open. And I was not around. I couldn't make the Tuesday mega preview pod. So oh, right, I right. sent in my, I sent in my picks yeah. and my sleeper was Richie Wierenski. And yeah. you and I think it was you and Kyle. Yeah. We made fun a, of you. Yeah. You had a little laugh and he's going to have to explain that one. And then Friday night, Richie Wierenski was leading. Now didn't turn out great. He would, he would have to wait one week later to win. That's uh, right at uh, Barracuda, I believe. So yeah. it was very interesting how it, how it all played out, but it was, uh, I definitely got a good laugh. He, out of he, it. he was like your 80 to one sleeper that I was like, Oh man, I wish we had him on so we could explain that. Yeah. And then yeah. he, <laughs> I'm pretty sure he was the first round leader and I'm pretty sure he might've led through 50 through 36 or something. I, believe, like I think he was tied for the lead through 36. Okay. Uh, and, and through 54, he was in the last group with Michael Thompson and, maybe Tony Finau or one other player. He was in the last group and, and Sunday didn't go great for him, but, but through three I mean, rounds, he was right there. 
And then he won the next week when that was when Troy Merritt was mic'd up on Sunday in the final group and Wierenski beat him, right? That That's, was that. Yes. One. Yes. That's exactly right. Okay. Well, he's min price this week. If you're interested, him and Robert Strev are the flat 6,000. So I, I'm, I don't believe you have to be too much in this range, Greg, especially because Dustin Johnson, who's the most expensive player, is only 11,000. If he was closer to 12, you might have to make some exceptions here and come down into this range. I don't think you have to be in this too much, but if you do, who are the guys that are most interesting? So in the sevens, I went risky, right? My okay. my top guy is really risky. So I'm staying right up near the top. I, I look at Lonto Griffin and he's a staple. There's a rule out there. there you is. Have, you, I mean, this is your rule, Rick. There's I'm a flow chart. Talking. Yeah. <laughs> if, if Lonto Griffin is in the 6K range, you play him, period. So play Lonto Griffin. I, I, I love that. And he, he hits it a long way. He's a really solid ball striker. It should be a good golf course for Lonto. So I love that. Um, and I'm interested in the next two players. I'm very interested in Mackenzie Hughes. Um, um, my guess is he's your guy in this. I mean, Mackenzie Hughes is your guy. He's your boy. Um, and Kevin Na, his name just, for some reason, it pops off the page to me. I look at him as one of those really streaky guys. I look at him as the guy who contends this week who, who shouldn't, in a way. Um, cause that's what Kevin not can do. And he's really streaky. And when he gets that putter going, he's a great fantasy player. So I, I think Lonto Griffin is my guy in this range, but I have, um, I have some questions for you about Mackenzie Hughes and Kevin. Nah. So Hughes is another one. I, I put him with Cam Smith, uh, guys that I should not like that. I, that I do, um, right. Just because of their, their, their short game prowess and history says that's, hard to carry over week to week, but Hughes does it. And what I think, so I, I have this number correct off the top of my head in his last 15 starts of 2020, seven of them were top 15s. So think about that. Almost a 50% hit rate on a guy finishing in the top 15, where his average price was probably $7,500, or he's probably never more expensive than $7,500. Now, he might have burned you the other weeks, but like the, the ability to even have this upside is valuable. And don't forget about the QBE shootout, right, where he came in uh, and tied second. So I know that's a that can be a big deal, but you're right, Rick. You look at those. Th these are the things that you look at with, with Mackenzie Hughes. It's the really high finishes. You get yeah. a ton of value. If you get a third place finish out of him this week, I mean, he's in the optimal lineup. If For you sure. get a, you know, so I, I look at him and there's that potential because it happens so often. There's that potential that he contends. And I, I think there's a little bit of risk involved. Um, but that's kind of what you're going to get at this price unless you go Lotto Griffin. If I made you choose between who, how bad can I make this? You have to pick um, either Andrew Landry or Brian Gay. Who is it? Andrew Landry. Oh, that was quick. Yeah. Um, so I'm very impressed with Brian Gay, first of all. So I'm not um, I'm not throwing any shade his way, right? This is not a jab at Brian Gay by any means, um, and he has worked tremendously hard on him increasing his club head speed, increasing his distance, and he's done it. Um, and that is part of the reason why he gets a win, and he's a wonderful putter. But I just I don't look at this golf course as a as a Brian Gay course. All the work that he's put in has been great. It's kept him afloat, but it's it's. Um, 
it, it's not an advantage, right? It, you have to, he, he has to work so hard to, to, to stay there, to mm. stay relevant. And it's a ton of effort and it's, it's something that he should be extremely proud of yet at the same time, it's just to, it's just to stay there. Right. So he's, I mean, he's doing a, the doggy paddle in a, in a, a freestyle race <laughs> in the Olympics. It's just a challenge. There's so much extra effort that goes into it. So week yeah. to week, you're more likely to get the off week on him. And every once in a while, he's going to surprise you and prove you wrong. And he's going to have every right to say, see, I told you because you said I couldn't do it. I'm just playing the odds with him. And Andrew Landry is a he's an ultimate popper, right? Andrew Landry pops up like crazy. And you feel like when he's in contention, I don't know if you feel this way, but Andrew Landry and Austin Cook. The two of them, I kind of parallel near each other. But when they get near the lead, they they seem to me really hard to beat. And it's because of their confidence. I think Andrew Landry at the RSM Classic, which was a great performance in his most recent, he shot 65, 64 over the weekend. Yeah. And I just, I love that. I love that ability to get, to get hot. So I, I think I would go with uh, Andrew Landry over Brian Gay. That right there is the reason I would have picked Landry as well. I know it was like at this point, I don't know, four and a half weeks ago or whatever, but at least having potentially good vibes coming off of your last start, maybe you were able to carry those swing thoughts over. And we've seen Landry, yeah, kind of do this before. Brian Gay's win, I understand it was a win at, uh, what was it, Bermuda, yep. was was so much like out of left field. I, I can't even yeah. be begin to describe it. It was um, it was an, uh, like a Jim Herman, right? Yeah. It it's, and it's great. It, it's unbelievable that they can do that. But you can't you can't bet on that. You can't. You just have to you have to applaud it, and you have to say I was wrong. But if I bet, if if you bet Brian Gay at at Bermuda, it was a it was a bad pick, right? It, it was it would be luck that that you won that there's not there was nothing that said hey brian gay is about to win unless you were an insider and you were speaking with his coach joseph mayo and he said look he's right he's ready if you don't have an inside scoop like that it's a it's a, a bad pick because the numbers say it, this isn't going to go very well it's funny. I, I don't think he was in the winning lineup on DraftKings for like their big contest. I also like people, you know, they'll they'll tweet at me their winning bets and stuff from the week. I don't think I got a single Brian Gay ticket because I don't think they existed. I don't think anybody had bet him at yeah. that, that that week. It didn't exist. So yeah. And I mean it'd be, it'd be a blind dart. So you you just don't want to um go down that path. And I think Andrew Landry in his career, he's won twice. Um he's uh, accumulated a, a number of top 10s through a shorter career. I just think there's a little more consistency, a little more firepower with him. Greg Ducharme, Tournament of Champions DFS preview. Anything else we're we're missing here? I mean, it's going to be great. We're Hawaii for two weeks. It's going to be uh, later nights for you, my friends, by the way. Yes. Uh, and later nights for you, too. I mean, oh, course, a little later. I mean, my, it's, I mean, it's still reasonable for, you know, I'll just be doing it at the time you're normally doing it. Right. You're not having coffee. You know, you're doing it after dinner instead. Right. Right. Exactly. So, uh, yeah, later nights, not necessarily a bad thing. Um, I, I enjoy that from time to time. So I'm looking forward to that. Um, I'm also looking forward to the Megapod tomorrow. Uh, right. We'll have some some good stuff there, some more storylines to get into. Megapod tomorrow, uh, rounds by rounds recap. So obviously stay tuned, subscribe, check us out. We'll be here all week long, all season long. That's Greg Ducharme.
You can find him on Twitter at the real GFD. You can find me at Rick Run Good. Big thanks to producer Jacob behind the glass making it all happen. This has been the first cut. We'll catch you next time.